the Wound Hygiene Podcast, made by clinicians for clinicians. Hello everyone, and welcome to our series of Wound Hygiene Podcasts. I'm Rachel Talkington-Stokes, Global Medical Affairs Director, Advanced Wound Care at Convitec. As clinicians, we continuously strive to professionally develop and challenge ourselves to ensure we provide best care to our patients. Throughout this podcast series, we'll discuss an early antibiofilm intervention strategy, a simple four-step wound management protocol termed wound hygiene. So today, our first wound hygiene podcast is themed around the emerging problem of wound care in crisis. And this is due to the increased burden of hard to heal wounds. So we'll look to explore a solution to improve patient outcomes and enhance our clinical skills, knowledge and practice. I have the pleasure today to talk about the why and how wound hygiene originated with Chris Murphy. Chris is the developer of one of the first limb preservation centres in Canada, assistant professor at Western University, lead of the infection module on the Masters of Wound Healing programme and past president of Nurses Specialised in Wound, Ostomy, Continence Canada. Chris, welcome. Well, good afternoon, Rachel, and thank you for inviting me on this uh, very exciting subject. Thanks so much for joining us. And and really, I want to start sort of back in the beginning of our journey. And I think it was just over 12 months ago when we met in London for Convitec's first Global Advisory Board. And I think at that time, we were really there to consider the emerging problem and look at the challenging wound care crisis. Um, And I think, you know, it was important at that meeting, we wanted to understand more about possible solutions and how we could improve patient care out there. Yes, I can remember very well. In fact, wound hygiene wasn't a concept at that point in time. Uh, We, a group of uh, international uh, experts from various different um, specialties, such as vascular surgery, nurse practitioners, um, scientists, and so on, from all corners of the globe uh, were invited to England to discuss what we thought were some of the most important concepts and barriers in wound healing. And I remember a beautiful spring day, the bluebells were out um, and uh, we don't get bluebells in Canada. So driving along the highway, we'd (laughs) see the bluebells out and it was uh, all of the spring blossoms were uh, in play. Just a gorgeous uh, drive in to meet these wonderful people. Uh, to try and come to consensus on what we thought were the key barriers and where we could make a key difference. So I think, Chris, you know, from from that meeting, we could see clearly there was this perfect storm brewing in wound care. And I know we really discussed at that time with that multidisciplinary group around the table about now is the time to look at, you know, changing some fundamental aspects of care and embedding real change. And I think going back to that meeting, very much as you said, it was this concept that you brought to the table with regards to wound hygiene. So so can you tell us a little bit more about that and why you know you felt that was so important? Yes, actually it was great to talk with these international experts and realizing that although our practice might be different, we may take different approaches in different areas of the world, we all were coming down to the same um, understanding that uh, there were some basic things missing in wound care. We've known about uh, biofilm in wounds since uh, at least uh, 2000, um, when some of the science started coming out and knowing that this is a barrier, no matter what the underlying pathology, that this is a barrier that we all face. And in biofilm in our other areas of our lives, such as uh, in dental care, for example, everybody knows intuitively that uh, you've got to 
get uh, your teeth cleaned if you want to keep uh, them healthy and uh, stop disease. So in my mind, wound hygiene is something that I've been talking about uh, locally for some time, that you've got to get in there and clean away the pathogens if you want to improve the wound environment for healing to occur. So it was wonderful to talk around the table. We were coming up with all different kind of ideas and everybody sort of landed on this wound hygiene concept as something that was intuitive, something that had an underlying message that it should be repetitive and it's something that should be done regularly by all providers. And uh, everybody believed that this was a good way of describing what needs to be done to get that best uh, wound environment for healing. Yeah, and I think the other thing, I think if you remember back and, you know, before we really started to understand and, and create the concept of wound hygiene was we really talked about understanding the problem whereby um, we talked about hard to heal wounds as well. That links to obviously the importance of why wound hygiene will have a key part to play. And and I think we had a very interesting conversation about the word chronic. And, you know, I think if you'd ask and here on this call today talk about your perception of the word chronic what that means to you exactly i think if you tell somebody that they have a chronic condition they intuitively think that that is something that they're not going to recover from that's something they're going to have to live with forever when a physician tells a patient that they have a chronic condition they're usually talking about something that can be managed but not cured and so it's sort of a, a language of giving up to many people, although the word itself refers to a, something that takes some time or is over some period of time, the underlying message to uh, people, especially non-wound care people, may be uh, that this is not a, a fixable condition. And that in turn affects payers and policymakers. Why are you going to respond to the acute problem that is chronic wound care when you think it's not fixable based on that underlying language? It's, uh, it's interesting, my, my daughter took her master's in English and um, her thesis was around uh, something called rhetoric theory. And it's the influence on specific words to policy making, to the workplace, even something as simple as a form that you fill in. The words uh, change how you react and change uh, the trajectory of impact of whatever's happening. And so I'm very aware that words can help us, but they can hurt us. So we need to be very clear. These are hard to heal wounds. They can be challenging, but the goal should be, beginning with the end in mind, of course, the goal should be that we want to close these wounds. That's always going to be the cheapest thing to do. And it's also always going to be the most uh, humane thing to do. We want people to have good quality of life and not have the burden of these wounds. And I think one thing I remember from that meeting is to quote what you said about chronic being like hitting a snooze button, which I think for a lot of us, you know, out there in society, we understand that it's about that passive acceptance of hit that snooze button and we don't do anything. We don't have that sense of urgency. So I think absolutely to echo, you know, the importance of what your daughter studied and yourself, your interest is what's in a word. And, and we need to fully understand and move away from potentially defining wounds as chronic and actually looking at what we can do to proactively support wound closure. So I think, you know, for people listening to this podcast, hard to heal may be a new definition or a new language and terminology we want to use. Could you sort of give us a definition around what is a hard to heal wound? 
So I would say that hard to heal wound is maybe something similar that is sort of in line with previous uh, definitions of chronic wound, but that is taking a bit longer than you might expect. If somebody has a, an acute wound issue, they're in a trauma or something like that, or they have surgery, they can expect a certain trajectory of healing. But some wounds, especially lower extremity wounds, where there may be impoverished blood flow, where there may be other uh, health conditions that are influencing wound healing, we know usually from the get-go that these ones are going to be uh, slower in trajectory of healing than usual. So these are the wounds that we are talking about. And I guess as well in clinical practice is, you know, these wounds potentially that are hard to heal could arise or be assessed as wounds that have only been there for a fortnight because they're covered in slough, the patient has underlying comorbidities, the wound symptoms are a challenge. And I think from the discussions we've had and what we know today is, would you agree these are classically your hard to heal wound as opposed to waiting for six weeks till they fit that more traditional um, bracket of being chronic? Exactly. And I think you put a perfect example there of the effect of the word on the treatment. So this idea of calling something chronic, therefore we can wait a month or three months or whatever local practice might be before we actually start, even though we know this is a complex, hard to heal wound, which should be treated aggressively from the beginning. It's implanted in people's minds and it seems okay to treat wounds this way. I sort of think of it a little bit like when I explain it, like weeding your garden. And, you know, if you have impoverished soil, you'd never water it, you never fertilize, you, you know, you just leave it be and you basically neglect the ground and it's a, you're dealing with poor soil. You don't leave it a month then before you start pulling the weeds because it's going to be just out of control at that point in time. If you can start and keep things maintained then you're not going to get into such difficult problems. And biofilm is very much like weeds, actually. It's always there. Um, it, you need to keep it at bay. You need to keep it well manicured. And you're going to get a lot better results. And you're going to get better quality tissue, just like you'd get better quality soil from turning it over and feeding it and so on. Um, you, you get better results if you start right at the beginning. If you neglect it for a period of time thinking it's chronic, it's okay to leave it actually your problem's bigger and more expensive to deal with. So true. And I think, you know, interesting, you've talked about uh, gardens and landscapes. I think a lot of us out there now, you know, historically we've looked at wounds and, and you know, the nature of wound care and, and patient care is do no harm. But I think the time is now where we have to recognise that these wounds are not gardens, they're not flourishing and blossoming, they're actually war zones. And the landscape of these war zones is we have to be more proactive in our treatment. And I think... You know, you, you've quite um, called out here the importance of biofilm, which absolutely I think we're now starting to understand these, the missing puzzle in the jigsaw. Um, definitely there is an abundance of evidence out there to support biofilm management and early intervention strategies to biofilm. So from your perspective, do you feel there is, you know, an area where potentially we still need to educate around biofilm? Do people really understand the complexity or the the barrier that biofilm can create within a wound environment? I think uh, that, you know, knowledge changes over time. So originally this idea that you should be very, very gentle with wounds, the idea being do no harm was a good concept. But as we've learned about biofilm since those days, 
we understand that to remove biofilm, you actually need to put some elbow grease, if I would put that word in there, uh, into things. Biofilm is not removed just by a gentle dab. And you know this brushing your teeth. Uh, Nobody would dream of not using a toothbrush to remove dental plaque, which is biofilm. And in fact, every few months, you may go to the dentist because even that brush isn't quite enough. And this has to be done often and so on. So you have to get in there and physically remove biofilm. We know this in our dental care. We don't know this generally in our wound care. And so absolutely, uh, I think there needs to be more education on how to tackle biofilm effectively. Yeah. And, you know, I think clearly we've, we've talked now about, you know, the challenge in moving away from the word chronic and recognizing, identifying hard to heal. We've also seen the missing piece of the puzzle with biofilm. And I think really, you know, part of this podcast and and us speaking was really about creating a call to action for those listening and, you know, thinking about giving people the courage and the confidence to change their practice because wound hygiene is a change in a protocol of care. It's a four-step regime with four clear steps. And I think this is really to educate and confirm why people need to change practice. And Really, you know, as you've said, gone are the days when we consider these delicate landscapes and we think about how can we go to battle and how can we define our care to make a difference. So I guess wound hygiene for us really is about, you know, changing practice, changing fundamental aspects of care. And it's about giving people courage and confidence to change their practice when we really want to have this call to action to change. So, Chris, you know, from your perspective, can you give us an overview of wound hygiene and 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 what this protocol of care is certainly well wound hygiene is a proactive rather than a passive approach to wound care which i think is so important the care in wound care providing actual an actual difference making a difference to that wound and it's cleaning the wound of cellular waste and biofilm that will reaccumulate cleaning it regularly in a way that optimizes that wound healing environment, that tissue, so that healing can occur and there aren't so many barriers. And it really comprises of four steps that uh, we can go into, uh, we'll go into later uh, with uh, some of the presentations, but it's cleaning, debriding, refashioning the edges, and then uh, putting on a dressing that will retard or slow down the regrowth of biofilm. Okay, so I think, you know, we've talked very much about the protocol of wound hygiene, really emphasising that persistent and repetitiveness um, in every dressing change. And I think, you know, it's very important that I think, you know, our call to action today is if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking of reasons why you're not in a position to adopt this four-step protocol, then really we'd encourage you to think again. You know, this protocol is is for all levels of clinicians. I think clearly we want clinicians to practice within their safe competency levels, but it's about understanding the challenge of biofilm. It's about understanding where early intervention can come into play. So, Chris, from your point of view, any, any tips on, you know, I think one of the words people, when they see this protocol and question, can I really practice wound hygiene, is debridement. And from your experience, you know, debridement, we've said this protocol is for all levels of clinicians. So 
Could you help explain about the importance of debridement and maybe the different types of debridement, which would illustrate why all clinicians are able to practice wound hygiene to some greater or lesser degree? So debridement is important and keeping within your scope of practice, of course, is extremely important and within uh, your employer's uh, restrictions and so on. But not doing something is harmful too. So if you would think of cleaning your teeth, but you're not allowed to use a toothbrush, you know that eventually you're going to end up with bigger problems and then somebody's going to have to be available to deal with that. And you may need more antibiotics and so on. And this is exactly the same in wound care. The money we're pouring into antibiotics could easily boost teams to be able to provide all of the services. So I would say that every team that's looking after somebody with hard to heal wounds should have somebody that can do all of these aspects. It may not be every single episode, but that person should be available regularly for people. And the funding will um, take care of itself in that you will be using less uh, antibiotics that will be on service for less time and so on. So yes, you need to be able to do something. Uh, debridement uh, can be mechanical debridement. That can be as simple as taking a piece of gauze and just uh, going over the surface and uh, physically removing any loose sloth, the same thing at the edges. Uh, most people can do that. Of course, you have to monitor for pain and so on. You don't want to be torturing patients. Obviously, it has to be comfortable. Uh, but um, to not debride is kind of like to not brush your teeth because you're worried about damaging your gums. Uh, it's going to be harmful in the long term, especially in these hard-to-heal wounds. Um, and you may not get to the end. So it may end up that you don't ever heal that wound. There's too much pain. And uh, certainly in my uh, area with lower limb, it can even lead eventually to amputation if you don't manage to heal that wound in a timely manner. So there's a cost of doing nothing. Uh, naturally, everybody can't do everything. People are different levels of uh, practice. But what I would say is teams need to be designed um, that makes all of these services available for people. Much like you have a wound, uh, a dental hygienist, maybe we need wound hygienists. Yeah, yeah, great concept. So I think, you know, for those that have listened to this podcast, hopefully they will understand that, you know, the days where transactional wound care, where it was focused on just addressing change alone, is not an effective way in which our wound care should be practiced moving forward. And I think the change from wound transaction to wound interaction will offer a chance to buy better outcomes for our patients and also most importantly to to move those hard to heal wounds onto a wound healing trajectory. So I think in conclusion to draw this podcast to a close Chris I think really you know I'd like to to one thank you very much for your contribution but also you know any final comments on that thought about you know it's time to get the fundamentals of basic wound care right. It's time for these to be supported by evidence-based practice and important for wound hygiene to be applied by all levels of clinicians, carers and patients. And I think, you know, certainly it's time to get things right first time. Would you agree with this or any final reports or remarks from your side? I absolutely agree. Uh, proactive wound care is going to be the most effective method of getting these hard to heal wounds closed in a timely fashion. Not doing something can also be harmful. So if you can do something, uh, even a better cleaning, that's a good start. Uh, selection of dressing to retard regrowth, that's a start. Most people can do that. And one thing I would say is that often people will say, well, we don't have 
the people available to do that. We don't have funding for our wound center. We don't have the resources, but everybody, the world over is engaged in antibiotic stewardship right now. And the best way to tackle antibiotic stewardship is to reduce the number of infections. And how do you reduce infections? You keep things clean. You keep the bacterial level low and biofilm recurrent infections are a major contributor to healthcare costs. In fact, they can be some of the most expensive costs in wound care. So if you can reduce your infections and reduce your antibiotic rates, your usage, then I think you'll find this is actually a cheaper and more effective approach to get hard to heal wounds to close. Chris, thanks so much for your time. It's been a pleasure to work with you on this podcast. And I think from myself, thank you. And for those of you who've listened to the podcast, be sure and for wound hygiene is for all clinicians on all wounds at all times. And we look forward to seeing the positive results this can bring to your patients and those hard to heal wounds. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel.